0: I've been following Pope Francis's trip to Mexico with great interest. Uh, Many of you know I spent last January in Mexico, and as complicated and troubled as that country is, there are amazing parts of it with amazing and faithful people. Like many places in the world, though, of extreme wealth and extreme poverty, Sometimes the people in control tend to side with one over the other. Already, Pope Francis has spoken pretty sharply to the bishops and some of the government leaders about their tendency to side with the privileged, with the wealthy, with the powerful, over and against the poor. Those priests and those others, activists, publicists, uh, uh, reporters who side with the poor, who speak out, tend to, or, tend to be met with violence. Eleven priests have been murdered over the last three and a half years. Sometimes life gives us those dramatic choices between right and wrong. Uh, there's a definite answer, life or death, right or wrong, good or evil, but so often it's more subtle. So often in our culture, in our lives, the choices are murky. It's in that gray area of probably should, probably should not, rather than absolutes. I love today's gospel because it shows us Jesus living in that gray area and choosing, showing us discernment, showing us how to choose, In the gospel, Jesus is doing battle with the devil, but he's doing it in ways that we might relate to. It's helpful, I think, to remember that one of the words for the devil is Lucifer, uh, which comes from the Latin word meaning light. And so the devil is usually not appearing to us in that comical form of a little red man with a tail and a pitchfork. Often the devil comes to us in what's shiny, what's alluring, what looks like light, and so we want to go towards it until we realize that's not where we should be heading. We're taught to look for the light, for brightness, for good, for the happy, for the comfortable, all that enriches and assures and enlivens. That's only natural, But the gospel reminds us that there's the possibility of evil within the light sometimes. Temptation often presents us with a choice between the true light and the bright, shiny things that only reflect light. I like this gospel because Jesus is tempted by the things that are already within reach to him. So often, that's the way it is for us. I'm not so much tempted by something that's so far off that it's completely unreasonable. What I'm tempted by are the things that are within, in, within my grasp, the things I can conceivably have. That's the stuff of true temptation. What made the temptations alluring for Jesus was precisely that they fell within the range of things he could have done had he chosen. We're told Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, is then led into the wilderness for 40 days. He fasts, and near the end of it, he had to be hungry. The devil appears to him and gives him that taunt. If you are the Son of God, then just change the stones into bread and Of course, God being the God of creation, Jesus could have done. He could have done that quick magic trick and been done with the devil. (laughs) Jesus probably could have felt pretty good about himself and moved on with the day. (laughs) He didn't do it. He didn't take the easy way. He quoted scripture to the devil. And so the devil then took him to this lookout with a panorama of some great city and the devil promised him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory and the power that would come with them with just one caveat, Jesus would need to worship him. We can imagine Jesus telling himself, well, what if I just give him lip service? What if I just say I'll worship you but don't? Is there some in-between place? It must have been tempting, at least for a split second, Perhaps it could have even seemed to have gone along with God's will in some strange way, especially with the disciples constantly being in one ear of Jesus, suggesting that he should be about earthly power. He should take what's rightfully his. But again, Jesus refuses to take this easy way. He quotes scripture at the devil and the devil leaves him. But then the devil takes him to this highest pinnacle of the temple and taunts him with that psalm that promises that should anyone fall, the angels will surround them and lift them up. Jesus is not taken in. I imagine that Jesus, the earthly human Jesus, was not only tempted here in the desert, but I bet he was tempted a lot in his life. Think of all those times confronted by the Pharisees with their tedious arguments over the jot and the tittle of the law. I would imagine Jesus was very tempted just to let them have it and be done with them. And then when the people are following Jesus around and they're always wanting quick miracles, easy answers, immediate healings, I imagine Jesus being tempted to respond in an all-too-human way and tell them to leave him alone. (laughs) When Jesus meets the woman at the well and she insists that her and her people be included in salvation, we can see a little bit of Jesus' temptation as he questions whether she has anything at all to do with God's plan for him. And yet, in the face of these temptations and certainly the ones in the desert in today's gospel, Jesus chooses God's way Temptation brings with it a choice, doesn't it? It always asks us to choose something. D.T. Niles was a 20th century Sri Lankan theologian who suggests that temptation always comes down to our making a choice between God with a capital G and every other little God with a little g. Niles writes, the choice between God and every other God is a real choice. Both make promises, both demand loyalty. It's possible to live according to all gods. If there were no real alternative to God with a capital G, then all humanity would choose him. The God of Jesus Christ asks us to live by faith. Faith in him, faith in his care, sufficient for the future, faith in God's grace, sufficient for each day. Compare this with all the other little gods we might serve, the gods that promise immediate results, that promise a quick fix, that promise we could accumulate or own as much as we want. Each of the little temptations that the devil puts to Jesus has to do with things in the immediate, things in the here and the now. You're hungry? Well, let's eat. You're competent and smart. You, should let, you shouldn't let that talent go to waste. You should go into politics. You should be popular. You should get what you deserve. Against the devil's temptations of the immediate, the quick fix, the present and the readily available, Jesus remains calm, and he speaks out of his faith and experience in God as he consistently takes a longer, more faithful view. Jesus knows God will provide in time. God will provide plenty of bread in its own time. Jesus knows that God's promise of the angels bearing him up will come true when it needs to. Jesus knows that God is using his abilities and talents in ways that are appropriate to God's will. Jesus knows all of this because of his practice in the faith, his prayer, his discipline, his self-reflection, his growth in the spiritual battle. This season of Lent invites us to think about the choices that we make, the, the daily choices and the larger choices. The season invites us to work on our skills in discerning the difference between God with a capital G and all the little gods that vie for our attention. The season invites us to discern the difference between the true light and those little lights that are reflected and sometimes can seem like glare. Spiritual disciplines help us to do this. They're like exercises. The church reminds us of the classic spiritual disciplines like spiritual reading or meditating on scripture or praying in some new way or saving money for a particular project or cause and giving it or fasting, whether that means going without a particular food or all food on one day of the week or particular drinks avoiding waste, limiting the use of water or plastic or gasoline or oil. Who knows what it can mean? Other things might come easily through spiritual disciplines, a daily walk, a time of reading, spending time with a friend. But almost anything can be consecrated, can be lifted up into the presence of God as a discipline, to pray that God would show us more of God's true light, God would show us more of God's true will. So often in our world, in our culture, we're overwhelmed, and it's difficult for us to know what to do or where to start. And when that happens, we can become susceptible to the temptations. We can become immune to taking the easy way out. Sometimes the most difficult thing is simply to be, to be still, to be calm, to be at peace. There's a wonderful 18th century Russian monk and mystic, the Seraphim of Serov, a wonderful name. But he counsels, be at peace and thousands around you will be saved. What a wonderful idea for this season. Be at peace. And thousands around you will be saved. It's that easy. It's that difficult. As we move through these 40 days together, may the Lenten disciplines inform us, shape us, clean us, and help us to be at peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.